0: Hey everyone, if you want to see the mod fire in action, well now you can. Here's some upcoming dates. On Friday 11th of May, I'll be at the Atterborough Arts Centre, Lancaster Road, Leicester for Pro Wrestling Resurgence. Tickets available at UKPatronBase.com And then May 13th, I'll be at the Cockpit Theatre, London for Revolution Pro Wrestling. Tickets available for Revolution Pro Wrestling. On Sunday, May 20th, I'll be at the Victoria Warehouse for, once again, Progress Wrestling. Tickets available, progresswrestling.com. On Saturday, 26th of May, I'll be at the Frog and Fiddle, Cheltenham, for Attack Pro Wrestling. Tickets available, com. And on Sunday, the 27th of May, I'll be at the Electric Ballroom, Camden, England, for Progress Wrestling. Tickets available, progresswrestling.com. So please be sure to come out, to support myself and the wrestling boys and girls of British wrestling. As each week we tear it apart. Hey, people, welcome. To another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. As you can hear my voice is definitely gone again. But uh, so it is not the uh, the soothing voice that you're used to. But don't worry, it still is the undisputed king of the mods, Flash Morgan Webster. Or more importantly than that, for the next five minutes to the hour, to however long this conversation, we have Lion Kids. Wait Fitzgerald goals this week. I will be your host. Or as I like to see it, facilitator for all these chats, discussions, gatherings. You know me, absolutely love that word, gatherings, with your wrestling favourites, or I like to call it my wrestling friends. Uh, this is the part where I try to tell you that this podcast comes to you free of charge most Wednesdays, but that's a total lie because last week was Thursday and this week is Thursday again, so I'm I'm a, I'm a real liar at this point, but it, it does most of the time come to you most Wednesdays, free of charge on all the various outlets, you know, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, all those. I am still looking to get put onto Spotify, but yeah, it comes to free charge on all those, and we're able to do that in part thanks to our sponsors. Uh, once again, our sponsor is Pins and Knuckles Merchandise dot com. Uh, check that out if you're a wrestler looking for a best place to print all your stuff, get stocked to you. So they send you free stickers if you're a band as well. They've got loads of stuff over there. They do uh, crew jumpers they do drum skins, they do hats, they do flags. It's not just t-shirts, they do a lot of stuff, hence the name, pins and knuckles, merchandise. But yeah, check those out, they're absolutely great and they support the podcast, so if you jump over there, buy something from them. Maybe even say to them, when you order stuff that I send you this way, then, you know, they'll kick a little bit back to me and continue to get this podcast be free. Uh, if you, of course, you can't afford to do that, then uh, you can jump over to um, as they can't afford. If you uh, there's one on you like, then you could jump over to moguwebster.pickartel.com. I should have by now restocked the uh, scooter t-shirts. I'm doing that later today, so they should be up for you now because this is Wednesday uh, while I record this. But yeah, uh, what I have left from Super Strong Style should be up by now. So maybe jump over to there and maybe check that out. We're in. We're nearly up to eighty episodes, so if you haven't jumped over to the Big R and you haven't ordered anything yet, why not? Come on. The only reason you shouldn't do it is if you can't afford it, but if you can afford it, maybe kick something back, but if you can't afford it, of course, then maybe you just give me a cheeky shout-out on the social media. I'm at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook and I am at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. But if you do want to look at me for any upcoming gigs, seminars, events, anything, like that, then all that can be done at the email, which is flashmorgan at live.co.uk. Again, that email is flashmorgan at live.co.uk. Uh, this week, as I said, our guest is Lion Kid, Wade Fitzgerald. Apologies for the raspberry voice. I was down, of course, had a big weekend a Super Strong Style 16, Riptide, and I jumped down to Wrestle Queendom for Pro and Eve I was completely blown away by that show. Maybe I had one or two more shandies than I should have, and uh my voice is gone from all the screaming i shouting I was doing, especially doing uh Miko Sakamura and Kaylee Ray, which is absolutely brilliant, and I was also shouting my head off for Aja Kong, who's absolutely one of my favourites as well. Got a cheeky picture of her, so I'll probably be popping that up in the next day or two. Maybe I'll pop it up today. I'll probably pop it up if I've recorded this. Uh but yeah. That was a great weekend to start off at Riptide, where I was forcibly removed from the venue for occupying the ring because i'm demanding that they give me a spot in this rumble which they have not done of course they chucked me out the building not the last you've seen me there trust me uh but yeah that was friday my days, days going to be completely mixed up because i'm used to doing progress just on the sunday saturday then was super strong style 16 day one whereas me versus keith lee spoilers if you haven't seen anything or don't see anything maybe start skipping this next part because there are spoilers Okay, yeah, Sami so Keefer Lee. unfortunately, I uh, went out in the first round. Uh, there came a moment after he kicked out of two shadows over malice, and I uh, went to uh, Vicky Haskins instruct me to strike him with Arabella, my scooter helmet, and I refused to do it, and that delay cost me. Um, yeah, and I went out in the first round, both Vicky Mark and Jimmy very very angry at me for not doing that. And the only one in the group who was in the tournament. And I got knocked out of it uh, on day one. So, yeah. Day two, of course, was uh, myself, Jimmy Havoc, Mark Askins, along with Vicky Askins versus Chris Brooks, Mark Andrews, and Joey Janella. And, uh, yeah, we won, but they're doing a lot of bad stuff. And I don't know if I can be a part of that. Keep watching, see what happens. It's going to come to a point where I'm either going to have to try to break out from them guys or I'm going to have to give in and and be that person, and I'm not sure quite yet of them. what the problem is. Every time I team with them, I'm undefeated Anytime I'm on my own. I seem to uh, not be able to get the job done, so that's why I'm with them. Uh, we've got British Strong Style coming up, so I, hope, I guess we hope and see if, what happens there, and keep your fingers crossed that uh, I make the right decision, or the decision which is going to benefit me the most. And then day three, of course, it was myself and Mark Haskins versus Mills and Mayhew. Again, uh it kind of follows on from the trend of the day before. But yeah, a lot of fun weekend though. Down at the eve as well, as I said. Uh, it was a lot of fun to be around my mates for four days in a row in that lovely venue. With a big, big crowd that are excited for wrestling. We're really, really, really excited. There were lots of energy. And yeah, it was a fantastic weekend. And I got back Monday night. My uh, voice is destroyed. Hence why I didn't record anything. On the Tuesday, ready for Wednesday, but uh, yeah, it's all, it's all getting there now. It's a little bit rusty still, but it's back better than what it was yesterday. Uh, but uh, this podcast today was with Lincoln. Of course, it was recorded a riptide on Friday. He was on the show, but he popped on because he wanted to have a, a chat with me. And it's a great little one. It's uh, it gets a little bit solemn towards the end. I'm not gonna lie, as we kind of dive into the reason why I'm the first podcast he's ever done. He's been after a few of them, and. Uh, he's turned them down but he felt that this was the right time to do it and he chose me as that outlet and we do get into it and we do explain why it is uh i guess a bit of a small man's about this podcast can help change that then that would be great he's he's so innovative he's had some great matches and he's a great guy to be on the back very polite very very excited about wrestling and he just wants to continue to wrestle more and more and more so just so yeah give it a listen and and hopefully this can uh, turn a few heads uh I guess that's I guess that's it. It's my weekly review done. I kinda of give you a synopsis of what the episode's about and I'm kind of explain why I sound like Mark Andrews at the moment. But yeah, I think that's uh I think that's it. Uh so yeah, sit back, relax and enjoy what's uh, a really good a really, really good episode with uh Lion Kid. But uh, it does get a bit heavy towards the end, not gonna lie. But yeah. Enjoy people. They like how they start
1: into it. Um
0: just Anyway, really, um, a lot of the time as well, I just kind of like push records and people don't know I push records, so that's the best
1: way,
0: <laughs> and, that, and that's what I do. This literally
1: just happened. Yeah, it does, so we've we, we started, <laughs> look at that,
0: No, that's because that's the best way, because I think if I do a proper introduction, <laughs> but no, it, uh, people people then kind of get nervous and shy, so the best yeah, way is just... You just
1: broke the ice. I have, yeah, look, perfect, exactly,
0: and now you're, you're <laughs> absolutely comfortable, because we started. But yeah, I'm joined today by uh, Lion Kids. How's it going, my man? You good?
1: Yeah, I'm well, thanks. I'm
0: glad we got this sorted because, like, you were on the show tonight, we we're out, um, and But you reached out and said, Well, I'm not on the show, but I'd love to come down and, and do this. So, yeah. And the fact you said as well that you haven't, you had a few of these offers to do these podcasts.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have had a few. But, uh, yeah, I've, I don't know. I just, um, I don't often speak publicly. Like, even my social medias and stuff are very quiet and it's all just wrestling related I very very often don't show like a behind the scenes of the real me yeah Um, yeah so I think because even after all these years like maybe 10 or 15 years doing this uh, despite that experience I'm still quite shy to show my real me because I'm so not used to doing it were you,
0: like, in your training, were you, were you, like, told, like, oh, this is the character and this is you and you kind of keep that separate? Because the world of, like, British wrestling has changed since you started. Um, so
1: No, I was never told that. I think it was more of a... It was definitely my own conscious decision. It was what I decided to do. Um, yeah, it's not something I was ever told. It just kind of naturally happens. Um, I'm not really sure why. I guess, like, a little bit at first... So I, I was wrestling as um, just Wade, myself, yeah. for years before I ever started doing Lion Kid. But uh, I guess when I when I did make the transition to doing the Lion Kid character, I did try and make it, um, because the fact that like, quite a few fans knew me as me, and I didn't want them to think, okay, Lion Kid is just Wade in a mask now. I got you. So I had to consciously make the Lion King character very different to me uh, before otherwise otherwise the fantasy like what's the point why is what's the reason you kind of just went all in on it you're like right if I'm going to yeah. do this
0: character I'm going to go all in
1: um, and that's before and like even back then when I started doing it I started doing like in 2009 now and I never had and, and back then I never had any social media or anything well yeah it I wasn't was, a big
0: thing then really no but
1: yeah, like even as other people started to get loads I don't think I had like even twitter account or facebook i only had like facebook like maybe two years ago and my twitter one i probably didn't get until like 2014 2015 i haven't had
0: it for very long i was very very much similar like loads of my friends back in there got like bebo and myspace and stuff again i just stayed away from it completely i was i was very much no i don't want to be
1: dealing with this no like even my real life i don't have a personal any personal social medias for myself at all it's not a bad thing i've got some friends who stay away from it all and Mm.
0: I think it's a world now where everyone's consumed with it, so it's not yeah. a bad thing, I think, to stay off I don't
1: know. I'm not, I'm not, like, looking down on those people. Though. I'm not against it. <laughs> it's, just, just, it's just not for me. It's just something you haven't yeah. done. Any, yeah, yeah, fair enough. yeah.
0: But, like, okay, so if we, we take a rewind back. So I usually start it this way. Um, how, when can you remember, like, falling in love with wrestling? When can you, your earliest memory of wrestling then? Um,
1: my earliest memory of wrestling probably doesn't link up to when I necessarily fell in love with it. My first oh I like that I like but, that That's good though But my first memories of wrestling Isn't watching wrestling It's playing the video games Which one? I had uh, Wrestlemania on Super Nintendo Oh really? Yeah that was my first one And uh, I played that a little bit um, But mostly it wasn't until I got Nintendo 64 So it would have been like 99. Um I think it was Warzone was the main one I had on Yeah that. it was Yeah. So I was playing the... Um, played that a lot and I loved the game I thought it was really good and um I never having watched watching any wrestling on the tv before like one day I happened to turn on the tv and there was wrestling on there was the live action version of the computer game I've been playing for forever that I loved like it was probably my favorite game at the time and uh so I thought you know let's let's give this a wash let's see what it's like let's see if it translates Let's see if I still would like it and, um, yeah, I did straight away. I think having the computer games, like, I already knew the name of the move, all the moves. I already knew who all the characters were and all their names. I already knew all this stuff. So I was kind of, like, already built into it. So it was, I was sort of called, there was no, like, what's the word? It was, like, programmed already yeah, in your head. Was, yeah, exactly. It was already programmed in my head. Like I didn't, there was, I was just dove straight in, and I was into it straight away.
0: Well, that was the same as well. Like, I kind of go into wrestling because of SmackDown 2. And I was like, I loved Scott Tuati on it, and I loved S.A. Rios. Like, I just love knocking people down and just doing the worm on SmackDown, too. But I, I remember being heartbroken when I watched wrestling and realized that S.A. Rios and Scott Tuati weren't the greatest wrestlers in the world. Because like, in SmackDown, too, they were world champions on my, on my game because I used to play them all the time. But yeah, like, I was heartbroken when I realized they weren't the best wrestlers of all time. But, uh, so did you then just kind of like watch it consistently and like kind of mess around with your mates and just kind of play around and
1: yeah I messed around with my profits a lot but um yeah I watched it all the time I was into it like it was within weeks of watching I'd be like okay I want to be a wrestler I want to be a wrestler that's that's all I wanted that's all I cared about I'd be like oh what's Wade into like, he's into wrestling so everything was wrestling um all the time all the time that was everything
0: when did you so how old would you have been at this point 99 uh, probably
1: 99 about 10 years old yeah 9 um, between 9 and 10 I think I might might have got the date of the N64 release wrong that might have been 97 it yeah. came out but uh, yeah I was about there between uh, 8, 9, 10 so when did you discover
0: British wrestling and like decided oh, to not become
1: not like a few years later I was in not until I was in senior school so I'd have been about 12 or 13 and um Obviously, I only had uh, w, WF at the time. That—that's all I knew. That's the only wrestling I knew. I kind of had a vague memory of seeing a WCW cartridge game, so I knew there was something else. But I didn't know British wrestling existed at all. So, um, like, and all this time as a kid, I'd be like, "Oh, I want to be a wrestler. That's all I want to do." Like, I thought I'd have to like move to America. And so or, many like, of us did, yeah. Like, or phone someone up, or, or do something. I didn't know how to do it, but. Uh, I was about thirteen and was in school, and um, a friend, a uh, guy, I went to school with who I was sort of friends with. Like he randomly said to me, "He's like, like, oh, you're into wrestling, Wade?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh, I'm going to wrestling training this weekend." I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, I'll go to a wrestling. I'll go to a wrestling school. I'm learning to be a wrestler." I was like, "No, you're not." <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> You're a liar! Yeah. No, you're not! It's, it turned out he did! It turned <laughs> out the the training school, uh, the FWA Academy school was called, it was literally a five minute walk from where I lived. Oh my god! It was, oh like, god. was like right around. And you the didn't corner. even know it existed? It was there for years and I had no idea. And, was there any age then or could you have literally been gone? Um, literally, I was 13 and it was the junior class, the kids' class was from 12 and up. So I was like, there, like the very next weekend, the Saturday session, I was there straight away. I was like, I cannot believe this has been here the whole time, I have no idea. So, who was the head trainer at the time?
0: At uh, uh, it was Mark Sloan, he was yeah the yeah, head trainer. Yeah, because yeah, I know, like I've done, uh, I've done podcasts with uh, Haskins, and mm. I did a tiny bit with. Uh, did when I mean, we yes, and not think yes, it mentioned Mark and stuff like that. But you're somebody I always mm-hmm. want to do a podcast with because you came up with that group of like you, Haskins, Redmond like, there was, a, there was a, a group that, like, I was never around, but I know, like, speaking to other guys, that you were, like, Mark Sloan's lads and stuff like that, and you trained yeah. with Mark and stuff like that. Mm. So, can you remember your first training session?
1: Uh, I remember bits and pieces of it. Uh, I remember being very excited just to step foot into a wrestling ring. Was there a wrestling ring there? There was, Oh, you're yeah. a yeah. lucky man. Mine did yeah. not have a wrestling ring. <laughs> I've heard lots of stories since about there not being rings at schools, and I know it's, uh... Oh, I, I was very much... A luxury of being there. Obviously, I I didn't know that at the time <laughs> that uh, other schools didn't have rings. I didn't know there was other schools. Like, <laughs> yeah. I only learned that there was, there was this one like only a few days before. But I'm going. I remember feeling very lucky just to be in the ring. I was like, oh my god, this is the start. Like oh, I've wanted to be a wrestler for years, and this is where it begins. This is what's going to happen. It's like okay, I've got to work hard, blah 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 blah, and um, yeah, the session itself was really uh, difficult, I remember learning to do some bumps for the first time, and uh, my back absolutely killing me, i being 13, like bumping on the, the ring, and the ring was like really padded to be fair, like much more padded than probably the average school has these days, but uh, I remember after the session going, the next morning my back killing me, and then for the whole, I think it was a, I think, yeah, it was a Sunday morning session, and then for the whole following week, until Saturday, Saturday evening, my back was still hurting, and I woke up the next Sunday morning. And I was like, "I cannot wait to get to wrestling, <laughs> <laughs> back to the wrestling session and learn some more." You wake up Sunday morning, you're <laughs> feeling fresh, you're feeling good, and you're about to start it all, all over again. again. And, I was, and it didn't matter; I like, I was just so excited to get back to it. And like, I was tiny as well. I was like, I wasn't even tall; I was barely taller than the top rope. My head barely came up to the top rope. I mean, I've always been a little guy. Um, for my age and I've always looked much younger than I am but yeah I was really really tiny then so, so. did you meet anyone at those classes that are still going now or best um, probably not no this was um, I was for, I'd have been about 13 so 28 now so this is like 15 years ago uh, yeah. so not I don't think Haskins came around until maybe a year maybe a year and a half later and he's slightly older than me, so he might have been in the older classes as well. I don't yeah. remember very well. So Which how was. long were
0: you doing these classes then until you had your first match? Because you were junior classes. So yes. were there junior
1: shows or? Uh, there weren't any junior shows, but um, over time where a lot of us, obviously we, we like most schools, they have the turnover of people that try it out and it's not for them of and course. they move on. But people like myself, and maybe like three or four others that were really committed to it, that stuck around for years. They got better and better and better. And um, so eventually, they introduced. They had the, like the trainee shows, the academy, the FWA Academy shows. But even, but we looked like kids. Of course, you were kids. So we, so yeah, were, we were kids. Yeah, so we couldn't really be like even on those shows, really. So they introduced us in like little dark matches as like a preview bonus thing um, to give us a little bit of experience so I had I, even though I started training at 13 I didn't have my first match until I was 16
0: well I remember speaking to Haskins about this Haskins said that he was training for ages and ages and ages mm. and then he got a spot because somebody hurt themselves in the, the feeling yeah. and stuff like that but I do say that like so many people have their wrestling matches too soon I've spoken to people in this podcast and said they, had a, they started training and within a month they were at their first show. What? Uh, yeah, I know, that's, some of them are crazy. Uh, but I will say this, I feel like Sloan made sure that people were over-ready, which is not a bad thing at all. He would make sure that when you went out there you were representing him and he, he wanted to make sure that yeah. you were as good as possible.
1: Yeah, he had a stand. He definitely yeah. had a high stand for that kind of which thing. not a bad thing at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm not complaining about it at all. Like, I'm grateful for that, if anything. Yeah. It gave me a great start, but... Uh, so, how old were you then, or when did you? Can you remember your first match? I do. Uh, so it was a six-man tag. See, that's good as well. See, so, so many people yeah. start
0: their start their uh, first matches. Some people are like, oh, that was a month in, and I had a singles match with another
1: trainee. It was a month in. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it was, Who's it was, booking these shows? Yeah, it was six trainees, to be fair, but um, we went over it a lot, so it wasn't just like we were left to our own devices to put it together and go to do it. It was, it was probably only like six or seven minutes, so it was very short. We all got in him do a little bit each and we went over it training over and over and uh Mark watched it and critiqued it and made made us change things and yeah. make it better so we can learn from so we, when we did go out there it did go smoothly. Um uh, which I think it did for the for the most part and I was definitely like like as I say, like that's all I wanted like for years and years and years and like that was my first chance and it was incredible it was like you were hooked onto it straight away
0: were you one of these people where it was like instead some people say all i want to do was have one match and then i got it and i achieved it or were you like this is the first no, match my, if-
1: my dream was uh wwf that's yeah. what, what i wanted that's what i wanted so that was just
0: like to you that was like this is the first step towards that dream
1: um yeah i suppose so like i wasn't uh I think I was just so excited and so happy to get that one I wasn't really looking at looking at like oh, this is my first step I'm going to make it I'm going to be the greatest ever I'm going to make it to the top I was just like that was so much fun I'm so happy I'm so excited I can't wait to do it again oh, I want to have good. another match I want to do it again I want to oh, I can't wait to go back to the next training session so and work on some more stuff and get, a bit, get better and do more next time um, yeah so I wasn't I don't know no I didn't uh, I don't know what I'm thinking it's cool but it's like so from there like did you just
0: keep doing trainee matches or how long was it till like Mark was like right okay you can go out and you can start like wrestling other
1: places um trying to uh, remember now seems like so long ago um so I did the junior trainee matches for maybe like because the academy shows are only once a month and I was and I did like one, and then as I say, like I did the one. I was so excited to hopefully get another one, and I didn't have another match for like six months. Oh, really? Yeah. And like, because there was there was other juniors as well, and some of them were better than me, so they were getting opportunities and and stuff, which is understandable. But uh, but yeah, I worked hard to try and you know earn my next spot. And but yeah, it wasn't for months and months and months later, and and. Uh, yeah, it felt like an eternity. It's <laughs> just like I was, I was hooked on. I was like addicted from that little bit. And I just had to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And uh, yeah, it felt like so long.
0: So when would you say then? So that would have been uh, what you would that have been. What did you make your debut? Uh, 2003. Uh, so when did you start 20%? breaking? When did you start breaking out and start like doing more in the British scene? Um, probably not until like two thousand seven. See, that's again not a bad thing. Because I feel that Mark, uh, especially given the scene at that point, was there was some good and there was some very bad as well. Yeah. So, again, he was like sheltering you guys from doing those yes. those bad shows. So I did
1: like the bonus junior matches for like a year or so, and I probably did like four or five of those over the period of like two years. And then I did some of the main not dark matches on the academy shows, on the training shows throughout maybe 2005 and 2006. Maybe did, like, one match a month for that time. Yeah, and then after that, I started to go to... Because at that point, like, the academy closed. Oh, really? It was done, done, yeah. Um, Mark closed the academy, closed up shop. He wasn't teaching anymore, and he just um, decided to open, like, private training. So it wasn't open to the public. I'd be like, okay... Because he he was ready to move on from it. Like, he had the school open for maybe, like eight years at that point. So he, he's, he felt like he'd done enough and he accomplished enough and he trained enough people and, you know, he felt ready to move on to the next project or, or whatever else. So he decided to just train a final small group of people. And you,
0: you were in that final group, Yeah. Right? My,
1: uh, it was myself, uh, Haskins, Mark Haskins was in it, um, Joel Redman, um, and... I Don't think anyone else from the group is still around. Anyone else we wouldn't know? No, I don't think so. No, everyone just slowly. I dropped, dropped, a real, dropped good away. Yeah. A real good three people, so, real good three people there,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. everyone dropped away and it was just um us three left and then eventually uh Haskins moved home and Joel and um Joel Joel moved home as well
0: Yeah, because yeah, I remember speaking to them, they said they moved down to Yeah, Portsmouth they moved down out. to
1: Portsmouth to train Playing. We did it like three or four days a week at the uh, our little unit with the ring set up and I worked in a muck shop wrestling oh, store. Yeah, just, yeah. I worked there during the day. I was like college in the morning, worked there during the day and then trains in the evenings and doing the gym sessions and stuff in between. Yeah, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. Story. <laughs> no, was, like, yeah,
0: I said to you, I said to you before we started, it's like it's it's it doesn't matter if you kind of go on little tangents to like the guy because like, again, yeah, it's just a conversation with just me and you. But so like from those little training, uh, those little private sessions he had, he was like tailing you up and like kind of tuning you guys up. And from there, you got like opportunities to go out and do bigger and better things. So was one PW around at this point when you were doing? Yeah, that? Yeah,
1: one PW was probably my first opportunity to work an actual big show mostly before then it was uh premier promotions i did most of my stuff. Well, let's, let's talk about Premier a little bit yeah that's where, we, that's where we first met so yeah so john freeman was probably the first person that gave me an actual opportunity outside of the fwa academy separate to try and show what i could do so and but that was so although the academy like mark it was We were very mat wrestling based. We drilled a lot of that stuff. I mean, that's what Mark was known most for. And all his students were really good on the mat. Um, So even though Premier Promotions was that style, it was still so different to what I was personally used to doing on the academy shows, doing six to eight minute matches to then go in to do six five minute round matches. Well, let's talk about that because so, there's a lot of
0: people who have maybe not seen Premier Promotion. So, explain kind of the Premier Promotion setup so, if people don't know about it.
1: Yeah, so it's very the old school British style, of the round system. So, there's only like four matches on a show for one thing because the ma- matches tend to be so long. There's six five minute rounds um, and it's all two out of three, four or two pinfalls, two submissions, or one knockout. two falls to a finish two two falls to a finish so um, um, I go from doing having to plan or work around eight minute matches with my friends people I've trained with for years people I know with Mark
0: critiquing and kind of uh, getting everything polished and right
1: yeah for the the most part especially well definitely at the beginning but as the years went on we had more freedom Um, but yeah I went from that environment to having to plan 20-30 minute matches with complete strangers (laughs) that I just met on the day. So I, so I was really kind of like thrown in the deep end and like really like nervous and unsure about it. Um, but it ended up working out so well because by the, time I was, by the time I was doing that, I was doing that for so long that I got so, I got so used to doing these 20, 30 minute matches. But by the time I went to another show and they said do 10 minutes, do 15 minutes, which is easy. <laughs> It was just like, oh, this isn't a problem at all, so it made everything else a lot easier because I was so used to yeah. stretching it out, and it helped a lot of um, my memory for things as well, and um, yeah, those shows are just good fun. You were working as, as Ray
0: Fitzgerald on, on those premier shows, right?
1: Yeah, so that probably would have been about 2007, 2008. Is
0: Fitzgerald your real second name?
1: It is, yes. Where does that come
0: from? I don't know because <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like such a such an interest. I've never met anyone with a second name Fitzgerald. Of course, you've got the famous authors and stuff like that, but never ever met a, a Fitzgerald before. But no idea where it comes from. No, not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you've done those you done those shows with Premiers. You said uh, they kind of helped you. So then when you went to do one PW, you were having to do like ten minute matches. Is that right?
1: Um, pretty much for the most most normal one PW matches, I tagged with. Uh... Mark Sloan on those ones we were ripped to rage. We had this. Um, so most of the matches I did were. I don't. I can't even remember if, if we ever did a singles tag match or if it was just like three-way tag matches or four-way tag matches. Maybe we did like a couple of round robins or something. But most of the time, there was always loads of teams involved, and um, I was always so because there were so many people involved and they were so much more experience than me, I very rarely spoke up in any of those. Of course, yeah. And, um, obviously Mark, being my coach, and knowing way more he he kind of took the lead as part of our team, so, yeah, I didn't really contribute a lot to those. Did you wrestle any big
0: names when you were at one BW? Uh, Was it mostly British bit, guys? It
1: was, it was mostly British guys, uh, Oh, You're going to ask me to remember names now. I am terrible. We wrestled uh, quite a few of the Noah guys. Oh, that's, that's pretty from cool. Back then, yeah, I, I, I'm embarrassed to not remember their names now. But this was people were going to be hating me. But probably it's, like
0: oh, like again over ten years ago. Yeah, so yeah this, is, this is
1: this is 2007. Yeah, so I don't remember a lot of the names.
0: And you being quite new to this, new to it as well. But like, were you there f- for the the closure of one PW and stuff like that? Or you kind of like Faded off by then?
1: Um, I have a vague memory Of them rebranding As something else And doing a couple then But they were like Tiny show Like 1PW When it was at, when it was at its peak Was the Doncaster Castle yeah. at the Dome And they had like Some of the greatest wrestlers From around the world On them And uh, yeah They packed out that building It was like Probably maybe even Maybe several thousand So I've, I went from Wrestling Academy shows in front of maybe a hundred people, maybe less, and then premiere maybe sometimes with a little bit more. To all of a sudden doing these big, like, massive 3, shows three thousand, four thousand people, yeah, yeah, a couple of them were as, as big as that, um, which is still probably some of the biggest shows I've done today would well, To <laughs> be fair, though, time, like I know, uh, I
0: know some, I know some people like might think, well, you know, that's 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 good, but British wrestling at that time as well to be getting two thousand people in is unheard of, like nobody else in the country. Was doing two thousand
1: people. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Those just wish they still, still about now. <laughs> I wish they uh, could maintain it. But
0: guess I didn't do. Yeah, well, guess that's that's another story for another podcast. But um, through those times and kind of like wrestling those those Noah guys and Japanese guys, Mark of course built up a reputation, and a lot of the guys then got opportunities to even wrestle on those. The Noah tours, or help out on the Noah tours, yeah. and the Dragon Gate tours. Did you wrestle on
1: any of the Noah ones? I wrestled on the first Noah one. The, the, actually, the first Noah one was a Weekend. Uh, it was in 2008. And um, the first one was uh, at the Coventry Sky Dome. Yeah. A huge venue, like a proper arena. I think WWE ran there as well. Like, that's how big it was. That was a huge step up. And um, I tagged with Martin Stone against, uh, I'm going to remember their names. I'm determined <laughs> to remember some uh, now we guy. maybe Kikuchi and Itzamida. Oh, look at that, they're coming back to you now, we got Boro uh, and... I remember being absolutely terrified of them, <laughs> because uh, I heard they were like proper shoot fighters, and uh, I did some martial arts when I was younger, but I, I was like... And I worked out and stuff, but I was still this tiny kid. I was like, I was maybe like 17 or 18 at the time. And, uh, yeah, I remember talking to Martin about the match and Martin talking about how he's going to go strong style on them. And I was like, oh, my God, Martin, these guys are proper shooters. Like, they're going to kill you and I'm going to be guilty by association. <laughs> and then they're going to kill me. And, um uh, we chatted chatted to them before the match and planned it. And they were, they were both lovely to be fair. Like, they didn't speak a lot of English but they knew we had enough to put it together. Wrestling's it was, universal language but, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and but I, was, I was so nervous. Nerves has always been well, in that I'm, I'm over it now but uh, which I'm sure is a story we'll get into later. But yeah Nerves has always been a big part of my downfall in the early part of my career it's just how to explain it it's just like wrestling is my it was my dream it's all I ever wanted to do and I was getting these opportunities to do it and I was terrified of ruining it or mucking it up or yeah. doing something wrong and got so bad that I was getting like lightheaded before my matches and like feeling dizzy and feeling sick so by, by the time I came out then nerves got me so got to me so bad it was almost like self-fulfilling yeah you were it was gonna, like yeah I you... was m- 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 I was, n- I was, nervous I was gonna muck up so I muck up because I was only mucking up. yeah so it was just like this horrible circle and um the the guys I can't remember which one it might have been I remember going to Mark before the match and uh, telling him that the fans are going to boo me out of the building and um, and he said and he asked me why and uh, I explained to him why and uh, he just said and him saying just just do what you can make the best make the be- just make the best out of it you can um so the reason why again me when we planned the match uh i can't remember which one it was but let's say for example it was uh, kikuchi he had this spot he wanted me to do where um before the match where he gets announced he bows bows his head right down and he wanted me to walk up to him while his head was bowed down and just to give him a big slap at the back of the head and, like, he wanted it to... And to, and to me, I was just like, that sounds really horrible and disrespectful. I'm going to get booed for that. He was like... And I remember explaining it to me. It's like, okay, I dug down. You, big slap. And then I look up, go, I'll give you an angry face. And then I shake your hand. And I was just like... I was puzzled by it. But him being... And I was like, I'm going to get... Him, yeah. Yeah, him being the veteran and the... Like, I can't say no to him. And I was like, I'm going to get booed. But I, I felt trapped. I didn't have a choice. So, like, I was like, I felt like Mark, I gave Mark the heads up because he um, promoted it alongside Doug Williams and booked it alongside Doug Williams. I think Doug did most of the booking, actually. Um, but they worked together. Uh, yeah, so I gave Mark the heads up about it. And I uh, went out to do it, and yeah, it went exactly as uh, as predicted. And I was so nervous, like, going out there, and then so nervous about that happening. And it did happen, which made me... That did happen, and I did get booed, which made me even more nervous, which made, which made the rest of the match a whole lot harder to get oh, through. Oh, shit. Yeah, so that's uh, the story of my first Noah match. <laughs>
0: It's, it's one of those things. Is like I I I'll put my hands up. And say I suffer from nerves when it comes to matches. A lot of people, a lot of the boys will say like so a lot of the new ones will see me on shows and they'll see me kind of like before a match. I'll go and I'll be, uh, There's usually a bin around. I'll be sick in the bin and I'm like what's what's wrong with Flashy? Okay, and all the attack boys goes that's what he does. he Just does that. And but I'm different in the sense of, it's done and the moment my music goes off and I walk through the curtain, everything vanishes. I I don't get nervous yeah, yeah. anymore, but. I can't. I don't feel nervous. I don't think like I. don't feel like. Oh no! I'm really, really scared about this. I just think that my my body must be like my body must be nervous, and the only way for my body to deal with it is to make myself sick or whatever. So I definitely kind of feel that. But apart from Noah, then you kind of like did. You, how did you get into to drank it? Because that's one thing I definitely wanted to talk about. Did you so, did you do some of the tours or? Uh,
1: yeah. So it first came about uh neville or pack as he was then known um he was touring for dragon gate for a little while maybe like a, maybe a few years i don't remember but a little while and uh, he was back in england and mark spoke to him about doing a uh uk show of the guys and um I'd, so i don't know what happened they worked it out they put on the show um and I got the opportunity in the dark match of that show, and that was the debut of the Lion Kid character. Oh, really? So when you
0: did Noah, you you was no, you I was, wasn't... I was oh, wait, oh, really? I was waiting for okay. Noah. Yeah, yeah. So how
1: did Lion Kid come about then? How did? Um, I think no, it was two thousand eight, and I think my self confidence being so low, and I felt my performance was so bad on that that show. I need. I kind of felt like I needed a restart, something new, something like to reintroduce myself and um, doing. A, because I'd always looked so young, that even then when I was like say twenty, I would look. I probably looked about sixteen. Everyone had always told me like, oh, you should work under a mask, you should work on this, but it's never something I was interested in doing until. Then, when um, I did think about rebranding myself and how could I do that, and then that's something that came to mind again. Well, it helps as well. Like,
0: I know some people who said that once they put a mask on, they're not as nervous because it kind of allowed them to kind of be this character instead of mm. it. And how did you find that? Was that the case? Or no? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it didn't. Uh,
1: <coughs> it didn't help with my nerves at all. Um, still, same story about you know wrestling being so much for me. Worried about messing it up too much pressure you know, on yourself too much pressure vicious circle um, so did did uh, the first tour of Dragon Gate in 2009 well, I say tour they did one show in England and then um, and I did the dark match and then they came back the following year in 2010 and they did a weekend of shows and uh, I wrestled uh, what's his name Yoshino uh, Masato Yoshino, on the uh, second night of the 2010 tour. And uh, he was their main champion at the time, and I'd gotten familiar with Dragon Gate since their debut show, and he was my favourite guy. Yeah, he I was got, gone. He's oh, great. He's, he's, great. he's still fantastic. The
0: fastest man I've ever seen run the ropes yeah. in, the world, in the history of wrestling.
1: Um, and I was super nervous for that match as well. Um, but we did it, it went smoothly, and I think that was like maybe... Like August, like late August, I think that show, what that weekend was. And after that show, I think Haskins went out to Japan maybe the year before, off the back of the first um, 2009 tour. And they were talking about bringing like some more English guys over uh, after the 2010 tour. And I was one of the people that got the opportunity. To go over so the initial kind of what was discussed initially was i think the six or seven week tour that to do some shows and shows and that but um then i found out the visa could get extended for as long as three months so i could spend three months out there so i asked to go out there and spend a couple of months at the dojo first and then do maybe do some shows and work for just do whatever you know, see how it works out. I just wanted to go train at a real life Japanese wrestler, well, yeah, you know? of course, yeah. And um, I kind of you know, if I get some matches, good. If I don't, then you know, it's still somebody just um, take off the buckets, yeah, yeah, it's still an insane experience. Um, so yeah, they said yeah, and uh, I went out there. I probably left, so all that, all this conversation went after the um the 2010 tour, like the following week, week, and then like a week later I flew out there, so it was like real short notice.
0: Hey everyone, just want to take a minute from our conversations week to talk to you about our sponsors, Pins and Knuckles Merchandise. Pins and Knuckles Merchandise was formed in 2009 and it was founded by toy musicians who'd spent many years working with companies and just not achieving the results they desired as a band. Because of this, Pins and Knuckles was created with the aim to provide high quality merchandise, to bands artists and wrestlers alike and you know what they nailed it if you're looking for the best place to get t-shirts printed stickers flags embroidery dtg sublimination printing they do it all tom shan and dan and the rest of the team are doing a great job and you know what, it's exactly where i get all my stuff from and i think that's where you should get your stuff from too And because of the guys over at Pins and Knuckles Merchandise, I'm able to keep this podcast absolutely free this month. So if you're looking for a best place to get yourself printed, maybe you're in a band, maybe you're a wrestler, or hell, maybe you're everything in between, then head over to pinsandknucklesmerchandise.com and check them out today. Best yet, they also offer free delivery to the UK and Europe. Big thanks, Pins and Knuckles. You've tore it apart
1: first oh gosh the first day of training was probably one of the hardest training sessions i've ever had go on give us what was it was that- uh, so ah, uh, you hear about the the japanese guys and the dojo and their conditioning and from first-hand experience every single one of those stories is absolutely true <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's a reason that uh, pat came back so shredded
1: those guys can go. Even the training swap goes. So what, go so
0: what was the regular? Give us, a, give us a breakdown. Well,
1: I'll give you I a breakdown of my, my first, just a part of the first session. Okay. so we did this uh, press up drill, where we, you hold the guy's ankles and they do press ups. So we we're in pairs. we were in like a row. There was maybe like ten students, and uh, we were in a row holding each other's ankles. And okay, it was like okay, you do ten press ups, then you swap, and your partner does it. And there's your your only break is when your partner does it, but you're holding their ankles. So, so you're not course. getting a much of a break because you've still got their body weight. Um So it went like 10, 20, like the numbers we were doing. We were doing like reps, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. So were, they, were these in
0: groups of 10 or you do 10 and they do 20? Yeah,
1: th- so 10 each, swap. So I do 10, swap, he does 10, swap, I do 20, swap, oh my he gosh. does 20, swap, I do 30, swap, he does 20. It went all the way up to 60. I'm trying to keep count at this point. And then it gets to 60. I was like, please don't do 70 as the next set. It's like, okay, next set down to 50. I'm like, okay, good. Okay, next set down to 40. Okay, we're getting less. Okay. So I think, okay, we're going to get down to 10. That's going to be our final set. Get down to 10. So, okay, next set, 20 goes back up again. And uh, I'm trying to keep count of how many press-ups we've done. Uh, Are they
0: doing this in Japanese as well? Uh,
1: I think they counted the numbers in Japanese. Okay. uh, but I was, you know, I was trying, I was keep trying to keep pace with them. We just went up and down from like ten to sixty, like on those, you know, Auditions. by ten, yeah, going up and down by ten for for ages. I totally lost count. And um, this was my first, it was my first training session there. And I was the first, not even just the like the, the first English student to train at a dojo. I was the first non-Japanese person to ever train that dojo so so i was like i cannot show not only i can't i cannot embarrass myself and i cannot embarrass england english training up i can't make anyone else look bad i have to stick with it i forced myself through it and the numbers went up down doing press-ups ever so exhausted and we get through it and we do the rest of the session and my chest is absolutely killing me and um, the next day, uh, the person who took the session, um, I, I don't recall their name now, uh, they came to me and they asked me how I was. It was an, I stayed at the uh, dojo, I slept there. So the, ne- the next morning they spoke to me and uh, they asked me how I was feeling and uh, I said I told them that my chest was very sore. I was like, oh, we did many press-ups. And they asked me how many... did. Did I know how many we did? And I was like, "No, I have no idea." And it turned out we did 900 push-ups. Oh my god! <laughs> and yeah, that was my first. That was my first session and my experience of it. And my my chest was sore for probably about two weeks after. Yeah, so. That's the start. And that was before we did any squats. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know about the squats. Oh, the squats. I, I can only imagine oh, how bad they were. It was bad. It was a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: In the thousands, I'm guessing, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, f- f- uh, probably about 800 squats was the most I did within a session. But some of the sh- students within sessions did a 1,000 f- plus. Uh, I'll tell you, there was one guy. There was... Um, after some of the shows, depending on whether if the shows based near the dojo, the wrestlers will come back and stay there as well. And um, I'm not going to embarrass him by saying his name, but one of the um, one of the younger wrestlers on the show got got drunk, came back very late, and woke up some of the senior wrestlers. Oh. So I was like, okay. So he was getting punished for it. So the next morning, like I wake up, I. I unbeknownst to me I don't know I didn't know any of this is happening the next morning um I wake up and it's like I think our training session started at like 11 or something like that and uh, they have a big shutter at the front that opens up and as I come through to start the session I see this guy standing outside the shutter just, just doing squats one after another and he's just going and going and going and we get in and do three hours of training and every you know, ten minutes I look around, and he's still doing squats. And then the session ends like several hours later and he's still doing squats. So I was like I have to ask someone. So I asked someone what's going on, and they say, Oh, he's being punished. Yeah. This happened, he woke people up. And he's still going I was like I was like, How many how many does he have to do? He's like, uh and uh he had to do three thousand with no break without stopping. Oh my god. And um so the training session's finished. I go and I get a shower and I get some food. And I walk back through and I look there and he's still <laughs> doing squats. And, uh, yeah, eventually he finished. And, yeah, you know, I have no doubt in my mind he did absolutely every one of those squats. Oh, my God. And I didn't even know it was possible to do 3,000 squats in a row. But he did it. I don't doubt it for a second. He absolutely did it.
0: Have you heard the story about... Uh it was like Devar, devari with Ben Wam. he was like we're going to do squats before our match and he did like I think it was like maybe like two like a thousand squats before they had a match and Daivari just said his legs were killing he said he went to the toilet the next day and had a piss and it was just black what? just coming out like from
1: squats <laughs>
0: all the lactic acid That's... yeah it's a thing oh really I've never heard of that <clears throat> yeah it's a thing like uh, especially it's a thing called Murph, uh, a, a, a CrossFit workout and it's a um, hundred pull ups uh, it's a mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 press-ups, 300 squats, and another mile run. But you do that with a 10k harness on, okay, and and yeah. there's been known of people to have that where they've gone into like shock, and their body ends up like they they end up in hospital over it because their body can't get rid of the lactic acid. Oh,
1: that's I've never yeah.
0: heard of that. So that's disgusting. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's terrifying. Ha- how? Uh, so, you started toying with them, you did shows. Can you remember any of the shows you did when
1: you were up there? Um, a few. I mostly just did the uh, dark matches before the show. Yeah, or of course. they did the. Um, I'm not sure if they qualified the shows at their. They called their Sanctuary. They weren't really training shows, but they were sort of seen as like. Like their local shows. Go oh, yeah. so See how you get on in front of our local fans that know us and know new, that know new people. So that's where most of the guys would have had their debut. Yeah. And then we'll put you out onto the uh, the other tours. So I did um, two or three matches at the um, the Sanctuary shows, which is like tiny, tiny room. Probably probably fairly fit like 60 or 70 fans in. So it's really small. And like fans crammed up to the ring. And the ring was, it was a tiny ring, it was like 15 feet. So it was, like really small. So like even at training, they had the, they had the twenty foot ring set up at training, but the the, the little fifteen foot, fourteen foot ring set up at the uh, sanctuary for those shows. So did a couple of them, which was good fun. It's fun working in front of that crowd and that audience because uh, they were like they were really responsive, surprisingly. Cause so it's like you hear. Like before the show, like before my first match there, the Dragon Gate guys, they come over, they're like, I think they expected me to expect them to be like an English crowd because yeah. they came, when they come over for the English tours, oh, wow. our fans went nuts for them. So I, f- I think they thought I expected the same thing when I went out yeah. there. Like they thought I might be surprised if their fans were different, but like, you know, I watched the Dragon Gate, I know, you I, know, know God, I know, yeah, I know the. Japanese fans tend to be quite quiet until it gets to the main event guys. Um, or at least it was with Dragon Gate at the time. Um, but no, it ended up working out alright and, you know, the, the audience was quite responsive. Surprisingly, and Yeah, it was good fun. Was a how fun. long did you spend up there? I was there for three months, so I how did, did, how did, the, did the full visa. How did you find Japan? Uh, I really liked it. Yeah. It kind of like... The, the the dojo I say that was kind of like at the middle of nowhere. So, like, this giant um, this giant base and had the offices and had the dorm rooms and the bunk beds and had a couple of rings up and some mats and things. And then you go outside and it was farms and mountains for miles in every direction. So, so all you had was wrestling. Just wrestling yeah. Wrestling, wrestling, so wrestling. all I had was the training, and um, I only really saw other parts of Japan when we did when I did go out on the tour bus to the other did shows did you wrestle any little shows when you went on the um, tour bus yeah probably maybe like a dozen or so over that time were they just dark matches or were you actually on the shows uh, mostly the dark matches yeah
0: but how, how so you did, like, did you do Tokyo when you got to see Tokyo and stuff like that or? yeah so how yeah. was that
1: yeah it was really fun really cool really cool um, yeah so I got to wrestle like between Like, the UK tours and kind of, like, my time in Japan. I wrestled pretty much the entire roster, bar maybe one or two guys. That's crazy. So that was, like, the main thing I wanted. Like, I just wanted to work with as many of them as possible and, you know, absorb as much as I can and learn as much as I can. Um, Yeah, and I got to do that, so I was very happy. Did you
0: find that when you came back from Dragon Gate that things kind of picked up a little bit for you in the
1: UK or...? Uh, Actually, when I came back... so. The, the tour, uh, say so I did three months, it was at the very tail end of 2010, so I literally got off the plane at home at, it was like December 23rd, 2010, so it was like right at the end, and um, and we were kind of um, thinking about discuss, discussing going, going back, and like, oh, do I want to go back, or, you know, what's next, am I going to... Because uh, am I just going to go back for a tour next time, or do I want to try and maybe do some training again? Um, I probably wouldn't want to do the training again, but uh, like as we were discussing that, um, I got an offer to work in France full time for a group called Wrestle Stars. and um, so that was basically my 2011. I did all I did probably 48 weekends. Uh, Saturday and Sunday in France during 2011, doing big big shows. So the average show there was probably like 2,000 people. Christ, were like proper arena shows, and it was good money. Like J- Japan was decent money. Like despite only doing dark matches, I still got a fair wage. But this was like living good. This in was like the living this was, well. the, was living money. Yeah. yeah, like I could work the two days a week and be set. Especially oh. at the time I was living at home with my parents. Yeah. Um. So that's what I did, so I thought, okay, do I want to maybe discuss possibly doing seven weeks in Japan and being away from home all that time, or mm-hmm. just to just get the Eurostar over to France every weekend. And make more money. Make more money, and then still get four days a week, five days a week at home to still see my family and my girlfriend at the time and stuff, and uh, yeah, so that's what I went with. Yeah, no, no, it was good fun. France was, yeah, insane, There were like huge shows, and yeah it was a lot of fun so did you just
0: how long did that last then you were just predominantly in france then for how long was that the
1: whole, whole of 2011 oh, i really? think i might have done during 2011 i might have done two or three shows in england really like, oh, Christ. yeah barely anything um yeah. were these all as lion kid or no actually um they saw i got the job actually because they saw i'm um, Match I did with the France the Wrestle Stars they saw a match I did with Haskins on YouTube at uh, IPW or Ref Pro as they now are um, so they saw that match and they liked it and they wanted to bring me in but they were gearing up for a television deal at the time so they want they didn't want me as like they wanted to rebrand me as their Rey Mysterio basically okay. So they call, they caught. They were wrestle stars. So they rebranded me as WS Kid, okay. and they gave me a new mask and new gear, um, and they gave me other little bits of instructions that they want me to do. I remember um, did did a couple of matches out there, and they wanted they, they was like, okay, you want you got to do the six one nine every match. Or no, they said, oh, whenever you ever you win, your finish the six one nine. You've got to do that. They wanted me to be their Rey Mysterio.
0: Not so. there as well. they wanted you to be, <laughs> yeah,
1: basically. But I didn't care. There were massive shows, and it was good fun. And I was still, I was wearing, I was wearing a mask, which was, and everything, which had a bit of likeness to Ramisiro, and everything. And I was doing was... the six on nine, but everything else,
0: was right. <laughs> I say, everything else that led up to the six on nine was just all your stuff you yeah, it was, anyway. It yeah. was me,
1: so I wasn't, I wasn't that fussed. Um, now I remember the first match I lost on their shows which might have been like the second or third tour it might have been my, my fifth or sixth match there something like that and um, it might have been the first singles match today because I did some tags up to that point but I was losing to one of their trainee guys or one one of the guys that used to be the trainees but was now their main show guys and because um, I was losing I thought okay let's not do the 619 nine. that's supposed to be the finisher and I remember them being really upset with me for not doing it and they were like, I was like, oh, I thought because I was losing. I was like, no, 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 you got to do it. Every match, every match, very important. Because I guess, I, d- I don't know why, I guess they were just trying to set up their TV deals. And yeah, I to guess all it, their- they needed the crowd react to it. Yeah, so that's what I did. Every, every match after then had the 6 on 9 in Malibu. so what happened with that <laughs> in the end. So that went on for pretty much the entire year or until the early weeks of um, January in 2012. And as I say, during that time I did every weekend, I'd leave home like very early Saturday morning, like three in the morning, get the sh- get the train to the middle of London, get on the Eurostar for like three hour train to London, like three, four hours on the Eurostar, and then another two hour train to get into the middle of France, Travel several hours to the show, do the match, stay over, travel again, do another match, and then that same travel schedule again back home. You come back get back Monday yeah, yeah, afternoon, get, yeah. Yeah, get back Monday afternoon. So I did that for a whole year and by the end I was absolutely burnt out. I was my back was really painful. And um for the last couple of months I was doing the matches and still performing as I should, but everything in between that, I could barely move. I was in agony. Like, I felt like I had no real quality of life outside that. So, yeah, by the end of that first year, I, I quit. <laughs> I told him that I couldn't do it anymore. Now,
0: with the European rings, I've been around Europe quite a bit now. I'm guessing the, the France the France ring was quite hard.
1: Like Actually, no. The France ring, to this day... It's one of the nicest I've ever been in. It was just the travelling that
0: just kind of did you in? I think
1: the, the, between all, the travelling and the wrestling. So I think so I worked really hard in those matches because they were like big shows and we put on. Um, yeah, so I wasn't shying away from anything at all. Uh, yeah, so I think I was just burnt out after all that time. Like The, tr- the, the training ended in Japan. I had like a week week and a half break and then France straight up straight away I didn't have any breathing room at all well
0: I've said this as well I've said that before like, sometimes I feel that the travelling just does me in more than anything else especially mm-hmm. when you've had like, long travel journeys after wrestling and you sat in a fixed position for like well, in your case you would have been sat in a fixed position for about 9
1: hours yeah I got, like 18 hours <laughs> every, weekend, every week I got very good at sleeping on those journeys That <laughs> you did yeah I was um, on a, the English because there was quite a few English lads there actually uh yeah, so I was given the nickname by him the Sleeping Dragon because in the car in the I was asleep pretty much almost every bit of travel we did. Then I'd wake up, wrestle, go back to sleep. I remember there was a few instances actually, because they were quite long some of them were quite long shows and there was one show where I was on first and I think it might have been like a three and a half hour show or something really long. So I did my match on first, I had it got changed, had a shower, went went to sleep Two like two and a half hours later, woke up, got changed, and then did the main event. <laughs> I did that more than once, and yeah, that earned, that earned me the nickname Sleeping Dragon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so you just say you say the quits when it came uh, well the France thing, um, and then did you just go back to English wrestling for a little bit, or um, or was that you was s- that you done that wasn't you done never
1: with you? me done completely with wrestling, but I was done with that i was worn out of that i couldn't commit to that anymore and um with them sorting out tv deals and things they needed people that could commit to it and be regulars on the show i mean i'm not sure how much even made it to tv in the end but we filmed a lot of stuff for that um like even backstage skits and things we filmed a lot of stuff for that uh but who knows how much made it to air in the end. I, I, I still have no idea. I was going to say, well, yeah,
0: it's France, French TV, so you wouldn't, you yeah, never just... know, would you? <laughs> but when did you, like, because we spoke about this before the podcast started, you did take a big lapse of, like, a big break mm. from wrestling. When was that? When did you take the big break so from wrestling? So, that
1: was, 2001, so was 2012, the start of that, that was the beginning of my break, and I thought, okay, I'm going to take a rest, rest up my back, and then take it from there. Because I was I was in such pain I could barely walk without being in agony. And um, I guess I thought I'd rest it. So I rested it. And the longer I rested it, the worse it got. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and it got, yeah, as I say, it got to the point where I could barely move without being in pain. So I thought, okay, I can't I part this anymore. So it was like the middle of march or something i was like okay i finally gotta to go to the doctor so i'll get it set up so i went to um the hospital and after several trips and trying to find a doctor that cared enough to help that's half the battle <laughs> yeah <laughs> um they booked me in for a uh, MRI scan and they scanned my back and they found out that um I'm very terrible with technical names but okay. you've got your vertebrae on your back and between that you got the jelly yeah. or whatever it's called um, between two of my vertebrae that jelly is the jelly is completely gone okay so the bones are rubbing together and then aggravating this other nerve or something that's yeah. near it or whatever and that's what was causing me the pain shit man so for the next probably about Three or four months. I had weekly trips to the hospital with them um, doing the physio on my back, like, working out, like, sports massage, therapy, and, like, the stretching sessions and stuff, and... um, Will that
0: that gel come back over time, is that what they said? No, it's gone
1: forever. Oh, really? Shit. there's nothing I can do about it. Um, So, even, even that being... Even to this day, I still do my physio regularly, because... The way they kind of said to us it, so although the gel won't come back, as you get warmed up, as you stretch, as you stick with the physio, that kind of warms all that area and swells the area, and you kind of get a bit of natural, other like, kind of a yeah, yeah, yeah. lubrication lubrication yeah. between it as well. So as long as I stick to it, my back will be, my back should be fine, and that's why after when I first decided to take some time off and rest, as I was resting, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And that, that was why. Because, because it wasn't warming up, yeah. Because it wasn't, it was just, it was just getting compressed more and more and more. Um, yeah, so about four months later, um, my back felt fixed up. And um, yeah, I remember thinking, I'd be like, because obviously just started training very young. 13 there's obviously going to be a lot of wear and tear over that time I mean even at 14, 15 I was training three days a week yeah of course um, yeah so I remember a conversation I had with my girlfriend at the time um, and she said to me because we, we were quite young when we got together I was 18 when we met uh, yeah and she was just turning 18 and uh, she she said to me that then I was like, I remember when we, when we first met and you told me how bad your back was hurting all the time and it kind of hit me and I was like, okay. And I remembered that for the first time in years, kind of fall back for a long time. I only thought really about how much pain I was in then and there. And I kind of, as I was getting better, I kind of realised and remembered, like my back is actually hurt. My back doesn't hurt anymore, like for the first time, in for as long as I can remember, my back doesn't hurt. Yeah, And... I feel better now than I did when I was 18 which seems insane yeah of course and I kind of thought and I kind of thought to myself I'd be like oh maybe I can try and give wrestling a go again and see how that gets on but I was like I was so worried about it getting to the point where I didn't want it to go revert back to how it was so I could barely move without being in agony I could barely walk there's no like, quality life without being in huge pain. And I was worried about it getting back to that, um, so I kind of had to ask myself: I'd be like, okay, does what does wrestling mean to me? Why should I go back? What, am I, what are my goals if I want to go back? I'd be like, like, what's the point if, I'm, if I, if I'm only going to have one match, or then it all could be over Um, because I knew if my back ever started hurting again I had to stop like I couldn't get to that point again yeah Um, and in the end actually and um, what made me make the final decision is uh, I've, I've never told anyone this story actually because I wanted to tell him about it but so, yeah, my wife's the only one that knows this this story. Uh, what kind of made me make the decision to go back was something I heard Chris Travis say years before. I just randomly remembered. Um, it was during one of those meet and greet with the fans, where the fans or a Q and A with the fans, where the fans get to ask some questions. Years back at an IBW show, and I randomly remembered something he said and it was a, a question one fan asked everyone, all the UK guys and I'd be like, oh what, what are your dreams in wrestling and everyone said like, oh I want to go to WWE or like, oh I want to go to Japan, oh, I want to achieve this I want to retrieve that and it got to Chris and he said that I just want to have fun because if you're not having fun then what's the point and kind of remembered that and I thought that's what I want to do I want to go back to wrestling because I love it because I want to have fun again and I don't want to my, my, I knew my career if my back is bad again it could be over at any moment so I want to whether I've got one match left or ten matches left or a hundred matches left I want to make the most of it and um, I kind of realised that because before I was so nervous about it, because, because it's all I wanted to do, because it was my dream, I was so nervous about each match and something going wrong that I wasn't taking the time to enjoy it and I thought, okay, now's my time to not worry, to let go of everything, to just have fun. and I I did I just had my first match back and I kind of like for a lack of better term I stopped caring I didn't care if the match went wrong I didn't I don't know I just like you didn't put that pressure on yourself no I just just, like I just want to have fun like nothing else matters Like, like that was my priority just let's just have a good time in the ring, doing what I love, because, you know, who who knows how long I've got left, and kind of over time doing that, kind of ended up being, like, exactly what I needed to get over, like, what was wrong with the nervousness, and, like, I think because, how do I put I think I got, I wasn't working hard in those matches. I was taking it easy because I didn't, I wasn't trying, I wasn't going out there trying to have the greatest match I could. I was just going out there to have a good time. So even though I wasn't working, I was 10, I was working like 10% as hard as I was before, I was getting a much better reaction than I ever did. And I kind of realised that because well the, the audience can kind of see me having fun and they just want to kind of join in with the fun and I was getting like some like the best response I've ever had on like shows in like a very long time and um, yeah it kind of like clicked and it all became easy and yeah that's sort of how it happened well do you know you
0: say about the Christianity? I saw a tweet, some tweets from him recently and they were I think it might be 2015 or something like that, which I guess would have been leading up to just before Charles passed away. And he, he said, I wish, he's like, I've, I've had some great experiences, but I wish I had just enjoyed myself, I had kind of soaked them in a little bit more and allowed myself to enjoy them a little bit yeah. more. Because I didn't see, in fact you've said that, I only saw those those tweets the other day and kind of thought to myself, oh, I'm going to try my best to try to enjoy like this super strong sales 16 weekend I'm going to try to enjoy it a little bit more because we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves so the fact you said that with Trav I think it's kind of a little bit spooky that I th- I thought about that this morning when I was when I was getting ready so, the yeah, said that.
1: so like if Chris never said that who knows maybe I wouldn't have ever got back into wrestling and like I'm not going to pretend Chris and I were ever best friends like truthfully I barely knew the guy like we worked a couple of times and he seemed lovely like and but I didn't really know him. Um, but that one but, little bit, yeah, but that one little thing. bit had like, you know, a huge impact on my life, and um, I really wanted to tell him that for a long time after, especially um, with him when he was getting sick, and then he started to recover and he came out for okay, I'm gonna. I'm to, I can't, next time I see him in person, I'm going to tell him about this, and I'm going to thank him. And um, yeah, unfortunately, a little while later, that I heard he did pass. And um, as my it's the first time I heard about it, I saw online uh, Martin Kirby tweeted about it. Um, so I'm like, "Good night, my friend. You no longer had to suffer." And, um, as I say, like, I'm not going to pretend to be his his best friend or like I say, I did barely know him. Like, I don't even know if Chris Travis was his real name, (laughs) but like that, seeing that tweet then, it put me in tears and you just hit, I don't know, just, it hit me. And, um, I remember that like everyone was putting nice messages online of, how Chris has impacted their life and stuff. And um, I thought, okay, if I don't get to tell him my story in person, maybe I can type out, maybe I can write my story and put that online. (coughs) I spent that whole night and that whole evening. I was up all night without even realising it, typing out more or less the whole story of what I've told you about me being injured and recovering from the injury and why I decided to come back and how he helped me make that decision and his impact on my life of just that such an inconsequential little one little sentence he said that he probably didn't give two seconds of thought after he said it um, and uh, but yes. Yeah, so I and I typed it out I was going to post it and I just didn't I was uh, I guess I was afraid to I didn't know how people would take it I didn't I was worried people might think negative of me for doing it I because I didn't have a personal relationship I get with him, I mean, yeah. like don't what people would think I was like jumping, jumping on a bandwagon or something like that. Yeah, I, I get you. So I spent half. So so I just I decided not to in the end. Do you still have the document? It's probably on one of my old laptops. Yeah,
0: mate. If you, I know there's probably a lot of people listening to this, but if you if you if you do have it or whatever, like. Um, a lot of the boys listen to this and like Leggero listens to it and Kirby listens to the podcast and stuff like that but definitely like search it up or whatever and maybe just put it out there just kind of like if, if you can find it and again if you don't find it then fit enough but might be might be worth something because he's probably up there listening to this now and he's probably thinking like well I would have loved, like if you'd put those words out <laughs> but it is one of those things as well like you say that sometimes you don't want people to think that you're just jumping on the bandwagon you don't, but sometimes again you have to trust
1: i didn't want to overstep i didn't want to be it seemed disrespectful because you said you people, know what people you. are grieving and there's yeah it's a difficult ten, and it's like i've seen a hard point in their lives and uh, uh again there's you know it's something i said to you before the podcast started or i'm not sure if you did secretly film that bit <laughs> or record that bit is that like oh if i If you keep your mouth shut, then you're not going to offend or upset anyone, and that's kind of like, that's what stuck. That's what I decided to do in the end. Um, But I think that's such a beautiful
0: thing. Like it was such a, again, something that he probably (coughs) said, just being Chris, meaning it as well. Like I just have a good time, I have a laugh, and a joke, and then that meant that you came back to the ring, and I think it's just it's a lovely Mm. thing. But again, we do live in a world now where if you do something put something online. And somebody does take offence, or you you maybe word something incorrectly, or you you've got I've got to think about that. It's a very it's a very grown up response as well that you did think very much about their feelings and not to not to overstep and stuff like that. But I think it's a I think it's a beautiful if You definitely do have it. Then I I for one would love to love to read that. So, so
1: maybe I can find it and maybe put it online some point soon. But uh, I'll have to reread it. Maybe it's <laughs> like. As I say, I I roll it the night I found out what happened, so like a lot of the details might be completely wrong. Oh, yeah, and, we're um, through, it? yeah. And and the last thing like when trying to put across something like that, the last thing I wanna come across is, is like that I'm being less than truthful of with it because it was about him. And although it was his impact on my life, it was still kind of about about him, and uh, I didn't want it to come across like I was trying to make it about me.
0: Nah, yeah, I get you. That's that, again really respectful of you and stuff like that. But like, I think this is a really nice, really nice segue as well. But another reason, like, we're doing this podcast, and you said to yourself that the reason we have you haven't done other ones, you've decided to do this now, and it's the right time to do it, is we had a conversation a couple. Couple of shows back, and I said, like, you're able to do some of the some of the coolest shits like I've ever seen in the ring, and you're you're so able and your your ability's so great. And we were talking about how the scene has changed since when you've kind of gone away. And another reason why you said like that you you want to do this podcast is because this potentially could be like your last year in wrestling. You said to me, potentially could be.
1: Yeah, possibly sincerely hope not um yeah so my my girlfriend who i've been mentioning throughout this podcast is now my wife uh we married just over three years ago now congratulations we've been, <laughs> So we've been together just over 10 years married for free we've got a two-year-old and, and mikey and it's kind of like who is well, awesome, by the way. I <laughs> love seeing the videos and stuff like that. Oh, you've seen him Yeah, I've um, yeah, put a few bits up, but not very much. Again, I, um, I'm losing track a little.
0: Best that's so. me cutting you yeah, yeah. <laughs> off. No,
1: that's okay. Uh, so, as I kind of explained to you, as I said earlier, like as I started to relax and not be worried about doing things wrong and just going out there to have fun, I was getting a better response and things were going mm. better... And my career started to pick up a little bit. I started to get more work with a lot more different groups, and things were starting to go better and then um, when we had half when our first son was born, he um, I was penny worked full time um, very often weekends, and I would stay at home with dad and then trying to fit some wrestling in between <laughs> excuse me and um, so it became hard so as my wrestling schedule started to get a bit busier and it was getting to the point where I, might have to, I was starting to possibly turn down work I really didn't want to do that because i was be like oh if it was a choice between Penny doing going to, Penny's my wife Penny doing a job that she doesn't like or she can stay at home and I can go do a job I love then yeah we're going to do that so um Mikey, after about a year of kind of struggling and trying to squeeze in the wrestling in between her work schedule and me trying to be a stay at home dad as well with some wrestling, um, after the first year of that we realised we wouldn't be able to make it work so we made the decision that Penny would go down to working only part time. So, as because wrestling was picking up anyway, I was making a little bit more money um, and merchandise sales go as the Lion Kids character go very tend to go really well Um, so between her working part time and um, and uh, yeah me wrestling hopefully a little bit more you know we could hopefully kind of get by on that and um, we were for a little while we were for quite a while for like the next year it went not too bad at all and then I kind of had a lot of bad luck with shows, like lots of cancellations and things. Like last year and this year has been especially bad. I've had 18 shows cancelled last oh year. Problems. And I've had what, six or seven cancellations so far this year. And that's been like, this year, that's been like half my, well, nearly half my work schedule. And but now that Penny's only working part-time for the first time in my life, we're relying on that money, not just for me, but to, I've got family to support.
0: Food put on the table, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, and we, uh, we've got our second son on the way now. Which is why we keep looking at the phone. <laughs> so <we> Yes. Do- <laughs> um, yeah, I keep looking at my phone because... Uh, you never know. Yeah, my wife's not just pregnant, but she's uh, due in less than a week. Yeah. So I'm checking my phone every few minutes to uh, make sure I don't have to quickly rush on a, on a train and get home to uh, in case something happens. Um, yeah,
0: so awesome. just to the just to the point now, I guess where you're like kind of you've got those cancellations, you've got the shows that are canceling, you've got like the upper trend of, of wrestling shows, the ones that are more stable, the ones that are more constant. Yeah. And they're the ones
1: you're kind of hoping to... Oh, and it's kind of make or break at this point, like, pennies on maternity leave right now, and maternity leave money. Like, before, it was me wrestling part-time, or me wrestling as much as I can, which really wasn't enough, and then her working part-time was enough to get by but we really relied on her income as well but now with her maternity money it's super low she is being really low and then um obviously the additional costs of bringing raising another child, another yeah. child it's the point of if, if wrestling doesn't pick up or even if it just even if i just stop having so many cancellations if these shows actually follow through and happen. Um, yeah, it might get to the point where if I can't provide for my family, Penny will have to go back to work full time, which will mean I'm at home and I won't be able to wrestle anymore. And I'm terrified of that happening. Yeah. Um, I can't I cannot imagine it like I can't say like wrestling is like my my family is everything and they will always come first oh, i cannot imagine my life not being able to step in the ring not being able to wrestle i could i could wrestle sat i could wrestle saturday evening and then come wednesday oh, so i'll say to penny it's like oh i'm feeling oh, i feel like i haven't wrestled in ages Oh God, it feels like weeks since my last match and she'd be like Wade you you literally wrestled three days ago I'd be like oh God, but when when when's your next match i be like oh I'm wrestling in eight days time I was like "They just feels so long away and I just can't so to get to the point where I think my last match could be soon um, yeah I'm really worried about that
0: but as you said, like the reason we've, we've done this podcast today is not like British wrestling at the moment. We spoke about this; is it is at a, an all time high. It's like there's there are more shows happening, than anything. and a part of that is because of social media. We spoke about this, mm. and you yourself said that you've never been social media. Don't use the word savvy, but you've never have kind of put yourself out there and done that. And this is kind of one of, one of the reasons why we've done the podcast. It's to kind of to let people know your story. To kind of. Mm. Pull back the curtain a little bit and almost kind of give everyone a little bit of insight to you, why you love wrestling, what you've done in the past, and what you're going to continue to hope to do. And yeah, (laughs) uh, and like I know you said yourself, like oh when we started, like oh uh," you were worried about like maybe not enough to talk about stuff like that. But we we're already at the hour and twenty minute mark, (laughs) so it's like we have spoken a lot. And I I said I will vouch, I had a great match. You you're more than capable. Anyone go search some of your stuff, it, you're, you're super, super, super talented. I just think it is that matter of maybe trying to pull the veil back a little bit more and, mm. and allowing people to kind of see mm. you. And if this, if um, I hope not, but people need to kind of like maybe go out on a, on a limb and take risk on, on, on you because again, this could be your last year. So,
1: yeah, just think a opportunity. Anything um, and so I, I do work like I speak to other wrestlers and they'll say they'll, they'll say they got a full schedule working like three days a week every every weekend and stuff and maybe I'll work four times a month or three times a month and like thanks to like me my character and my merch sales like up until this point we've been getting by on that but I speak to other people and be like oh we wrestle so much more often. Than you will do 10, 15 shows a month. It's like, you're working so much more often than me. Like, where do you work with? Them? And they'll be like, they work for like two or three different groups. But the groups they work for, they run a lot of shows. Yeah. Whereas I work for about 10 or 12 different promoters, but they all run once every three months. Yeah, okay. It. So it's not adding up. So I just, and. I do wow on all these shows and I'm well like to all these shows but each of that they're, they're all in their individual bubble so nobody outside of the bubble of those shows are seeing me so I feel because of that I'm not breaking onto any of these bigger other shows. bigger shows um, yeah so I, I just I like. I know I'm ready for it. I need. I and I know. Oh god! I don't want it to sound bad because I know there's lots of people out there that are deserving of opportunities. I'm, I, I just feel I'm more than ready for an opportunity to. Was um, on the Yeah, on something before before it's my last chance to. Oh, that's not my wife. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Luckily that was not your wife. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> for that. I had a but, little panic attack uh, then. <laughs> um, but yeah we are we are I think people are getting ready to leave. But um, I guess on this on this note how we finish up then is I guess with you would be uh, if anyone's listening to this, any any new promoters, anyone wants to kind of like get you on their shows, trying to break those bubbles, where can people find you on the
1: internet? Uh, on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at LionKidUK can dm me through those if you like or on uh an email like uk yahoo.co.uk um very easily get hold of very quick responding um if you're listening to this i probably have al- already have emailed you <laughs> about work because that's what i pretty much spend every spare minute doing these yeah. days is email from trying to hustle up some more work
0: But it's, as I said, I I think it's a good thing we've done this podcast. I think it's good that we've brought our wall down. We've kind of talked about your your journey, uh, the reason why you came back, and then the reason why this potentially could be your last year. And I hope that we can revisit this podcast in a year, two years' time. And you can turn and say to me that uh, that's not the case, that you are still going strong and everything's everything's good. And we can talk about how you've got another... Five kids! Oh my my, uh, and oh, uh, we're all two, good. Two
1: and done mate. <laughs> two and done. But Wade, it's been an absolute pleasure mate. appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: No How good was that? It was a real, real nice episode. He's done a lot. He's been around the world. He's done a lot. He's been around for a very long time. He's head at one point. He's like, I'm really bad with dates and names. And I said, that's cool. We're just looking for an outline of the story. It doesn't have to be uh, a full account. But yeah. A great little story. And uh, he's somebody who always goes up there and gives hundred and ten cents. He said he's just looking to have some fun and and he's enjoying wrestling and the crowd seem to be taken to him. But there is that uh, there is that impending the impending retirement possibly over his head, waiting to uh, waiting to either happen or don't happen. And I guess that that's we certainly is one of the reasons why he did the podcast. He did it because. Uh, he wants to kind of open a lot of people's eyes. He wants to kind of get his name out there a little bit more. And he wants to kind of push back that veil on who he is because he thought he had to kind of keep his mouth shut and not say anything. And And it's great that that Chris Travis moment, he said himself, he's not very, he wasn't very close with Chris, but that moment has allowed him to push through and and continue to wrestle. So I know Trav would be very, very happy to hear that. But uh, as he said, he is on the point now where Unfortunately he's not in that wave of wrestlers that are uh, being booked three or four times a week and it's at a point now where it's it's make or break. He wants to he wants to supply he wants to provide for his family, but that could mean that wrestling doesn't do that, but he, he finds it hard because wrestling's all he's ever known and it's his first love. So I hope that if anything comes from this he can pick up a few more dates and it means that he can go on a little bit longer and pick up momentum. We can uh, we can see more of Lion Kid on the scene because he's a great guy to have around. But yeah, big thanks for coming on the show, Wayne. I hope that uh, I hope that this does uh, what you're hoping it does. So yeah, appreciate it, man. If you have enjoyed the show, please be sure to check out our sponsors, pinsandknucklesmerchandise.com. Merchandise dot com. Jump over there t shirts, hoodies, flags, crew jumpers, loads and loads of stuff. So definitely go check that out. Uh, also as well, maybe jump over to MorganWebster dot and pick up something from there, help support the podcast that way. Um or maybe just give me a cheeky shout out on the social media I'm at flash underscore morgan on the Twitter and Facebook com forward slash flash morgan Webster on the Facebook and I am at that's totally wrong. No I am, it's at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. Sorry, I think I went on autopilot for a second and then I just set it all out and thought, no, that can't be right. But it was, it was alright, yeah. And uh, if you want to put me for any upcoming seminars, gigs events anything like that, then it all can be done at the email, which is at uh, flashmorgan.life.co.uk. Sorry, people. It's been a long week. Um, end. Long weekend, see? Getting always words mixed up, so apologies if I'm rambling, but yeah. Uh, if you want to jump up, shout, cheeky shout out at any of those, that'd be great. Really appreciate it. I guess I wraps up another podcast. Uh, big thanks to Wade for coming on the show, Lankin. Uh Big thanks to Pins and Knuckles merchandise, and uh, big thanks to you guys for supporting the podcast. Guests, all that's left to say really is I've been Flash Morgan Webster. This has been the Western Friends Podcast, and it's always a pleasure, always a treasure. And bye, thanks for stopping by. Later, people.